Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hot Off the Pod. I'm your co-host, Harper Lambert. And I'm Melanie Zement. Today, we are going to be diving into a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, which is the amazing work that the Santa Barbara Food Bank does to combat food insecurity in our county. I first started volunteering at the food bank this past summer, and now I work alongside today's guest, Megan Halpin, who works as the marketing assistant for the food bank and is also a UCSB alumna. The Food Bank of Santa Barbara County is a 501c3 organization that works to move the residents of Santa Barbara out of hunger and into health. Through partnerships with other nonprofit organizations, school districts, and other organizations, the Food Bank works to distribute fresh produce and healthy pantry items along with food literacy education. With 48% of UCSB undergraduates and 31% of UCSB grad students facing food insecurity, this issue significantly affects our community every day. So welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited. Thank you, guys. I'm super excited to talk about the food bank. Sweet. Just to start off, what first got you interested in helping with food insecurity and working at the food bank? I did the professional writing minor at UCSB. I emphasized in the civic engagement track. And I've always been interested in food insecurity and helping whatever community I went to school around. I think that was a big motivator. We all had to get internships for the writing minors. I ended up reaching out to the food bank. I had previously applied for an internship there and gotten it. But unfortunately, the timing wasn't right and I couldn't take it. So I reached out again and they were like, yeah, we would love to have you come on and do some writing for us and some marketing. I ended up doing my professional writing minor internship there. And then from there, I got hired full time. And that's kind of where my marketing work there really began. For those who aren't familiar with some of these terms we've been mentioning, Could you talk a little bit about what food insecurity is and then also what a food bank is? Anyone who's food insecure basically means that they don't necessarily know that their next meal is guaranteed. So they don't have the funds or the resources to keep bringing in nourishing, healthy meals for themselves. It's a lot bigger of an issue than people think. Like you said, it really does affect around 40% of the undergraduate population, which is just crazy. I feel like it's very stigmatized too, especially within Santa Barbara, because it's thought of as generally a wealthier community, especially going to college there as a good public university with a pretty high tuition rate. Yeah, it's just very stigmatized and not really in the open as much. So food insecurity is not knowing where your next meal is going to come from and not having the resources to kind of provide that for yourself or family members. A food bank is basically an organization trying to combat that, whether it's through food distributions that are always free, no matter your immigration status, where you come from, gender orientation, regardless of who you are, it's always going to be available to you. Or nutrition education, so educating people about where they can get affordable, healthy meals and different resources to inform them about food and stuff like that. Also, we do disaster preparedness, so especially people who 
are living in low-income neighborhoods, just helping out with things like what to do in an emergency, what to do if there's an earthquake, a fire, especially living in Santa Barbara, it's a necessary resource for a lot of people. So those are kind of the three main areas that the Santa Barbara Food Bank operates in. Got it. 45% of the food that the food bank distributes is fresh produce. I was wondering, is this normal for food banks? And where does this produce come from? This is not a super normal number for food banks. A lot of the need is focused in food deserts, which we aren't in. Santa Barbara has a ton of agriculture. So we're lucky in that we get a lot of leftover produce that isn't going to the grocery stores. We get that donated to us. That's why a ton of our food can be fresh produce. But in communities where there may be a larger need, there's not that much agriculture. There's not really like a huge amount of farmers and organizations willing to donate to food banks because they need to sell that food to grocery stores. And I think it definitely paints a picture of the Santa Barbara Food Bank as very health focused, not just oh, here's some white pasta or here's some white bread, but really trying to help people's health and well-being by giving out a lot of fresh produce and kind of teaching people what they can do with it and how they can make it last. You talked a bit about the donations, and I think that a cool program that the Food Bank does that I wanted to kind of spotlight is the Backyard Bounty Program, which I believe collects produce donations from people's backyards Can you talk a little bit more about that program? Yeah, it's a really cool program. I think it was started in around like 2004. It's basically a backyard gleaning program. Gleaning just means picking old fruit up off the ground or off of trees that farmers aren't going to sell to the grocery stores or donate in some other way. We have volunteers do that work for them so they don't have to use their own labor to pick the fruit up, but it's really our own labor, which is pretty cool. And a lot of people like to come out and glean just because you can bring friends, family, it's something you can do outside together. And it's also something that helps a nonprofit organization. It's one of our most popular volunteer opportunities. Most Saturdays we have a gleaning project. Usually it's orange orchards, which there's kind of a lot of like up in the hills of Santa Barbara. We have a few main farms that we like to go to just because they're super generous and they love our mission and what we do. We'll glean there for a few hours and we'll end up getting a ton of fruit. The volunteers get to bring some home or bring some to family or friends. And then most of that will just go straight to our distributions and out to everyone that's in need in the community. It's a pretty cool program. Mm -hmm. I would agree. And I think that's an interesting point that you brought up earlier, which was that we're very fortunate that we have so many farms in our county that we can kind of pick from to provide healthy produce for people. And I think there is that stigma that Santa Barbara County is really fortunate. But also, as of 2019, the child poverty rate in Santa Barbara County was a little bit over 13%, which is significant. So what programs does the food bank have to kind of combat that and provide help for children? It's actually crazy. We have like the third highest child poverty rate in California. 
I feel like no one would ever think that, but that's one of the food bank's main goals is just spreading that awareness and making people kind of understand that we have a lot of really wealthy people. And we also have a huge influx of people who are really struggling. So that's one of our main goals is just to educate, feed and empower young kids so that they can have better futures and not have to struggle to find a meal, which no kid should ever have to do that. Right. So we have a few different programs that have kind of been impacted from COVID, but we're kind of getting them back up and running. One of them is Healthy School Pantry. That's a program where we'll bring volunteers and staff at the food bank into different middle school and elementary schools. They kind of teach kids how to cook simple things, teach them what nutrients they need. We'll give them each a basket of produce and staples to take home at the end of the day. I think that's going to start back up pretty soon. We also have our Picnic in the Park program, which is our biggest children's program. That one is feeding children every day of the week, all summer long, while schools are closed. That's also another issue that people don't think about that much is that low-income children, even kids who aren't low-income, are getting breakfast and lunch at school for free. That's two meals every day that they're getting taken care of. And then when summer comes around, their parents are then responsible for feeding them three meals a day. So our picnic in the park program really tries to combat this struggle to find two meals a day. It's a free lunch every weekday in the summer. There's a ton of different locations. So it's at different public parks around the county, at a few schools. There'll be different activities there as well, like smoothie making, just like different games. And it really is like a community program. So many people in the community come out either to volunteer or come out with their family and get their kids a meal and meet other families. So it's just kind of like building resources for local people who are struggling and giving kids a chance to get their full nutrients in in a day. That's really our goal. Yeah, and it's significant that 41% of the food bank's clients are children. So these programs really are reaching a lot of people. In that same vein of community building and also food literacy education, 78% of those served by the food bank are part of the Latinx community. So this literacy education for food is done in both English and Spanish. What other ways does the food bank work to support and also work alongside the communities that it serves? We have been definitely trying to expand our reach in English and Spanish. There's also a big disparity between the clients that we serve in South County, which is Santa Barbara and South, and then North County, which is Santa Maria, Lompoc, Guadalupe. All of that is also part of Santa Barbara County, which a lot of people often think of Santa Barbara as strictly Santa Barbara. We have a huge portion of our Latino community in that North County area. Everything from having bilingual speakers answer the phones, especially in North County, give people resources, have bilingual speakers available at our distributions and our different community programs. 
Currently, we're coming out with a Spanish-only social media channel. So it's going to be a Facebook channel. It'll just be a lot of different information and resources for the Spanish-speaking community. We're also going to push that out onto Spanish radio channels. So just trying to reach them in different ways, because traditionally, a majority of our followers are in South County, just because the Latino community may not be as social media oriented as our other clients. We're just trying to think of other ways to incorporate the information that we're putting out and make it as accessible as possible to that community because they're such a huge part of our client base. We have a special farm workers distribution. We actually like choose different neighborhoods that a majority of farm workers are living in. So they don't have to drive to a distribution because often they won't have a car. They won't have a way to get around. I think that's another way that we're really trying to cater to that community and make everything as accessible as possible. A lot of times, even though like our food is free at all the distributions, you don't think about, oh, maybe these people can't even get there. Maybe our clients can't even drive themselves or they don't have secure housing to store the food. I think those are like a few big ways that we're trying to incorporate all different client bases. One of my favorite food bank stats comes from that Food Access for Farm Mm -hmm. Workers program, which is, and I know you know which stat I'm talking about, (laughs) it's that for that program, the food bank partnered with Community Health Centers, which is a health organization that's been handing out PPE and talking about how COVID spreads and how to social distance and stuff. They've been doing that at these farm worker distribution sites. And according to their research, transmission of COVID-19 went from 18% to 4% among the farm workers in the area, which is significant. Not only are we giving the farm workers access to food, but also access to education that is quite literally saving people's lives. Yeah, I think we forget that it's so few people actually have access to the education that we've been given. When COVID started, it was like, oh, like we're getting all this information and we're quarantining and we're staying away from family members that have autoimmune diseases or all this different stuff that, you know, we were being told like, okay, this is what you should do to take away that risk of getting COVID. But that information wasn't widely shared if you didn't have a computer access to Wi-Fi or, you know, a family member that was super knowledgeable or worked in the healthcare industry. A lot of people really don't have that access. They really do need the resources at this free distribution. I think it's just really important to keep in mind that you could be that person that really, really changes someone's life. I think it's really powerful to have nutrition education and health education at these distributions, for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely one of the three focuses of the food bank. And we've talked a little bit about others and emphasis on nutrition education, community resilience, and also disaster preparedness. Clearly, in the last few years between the Thomas fires and the mudslides, and now the pandemic, of course, the food bank's you know presence as a disaster relief organization has really been proven. During the pandemic, the food bank's been the lead agency in charge of coordinating food relief with the nonprofits in Santa Barbara County and also governmental agencies. Through these partnerships, the food banks work to distribute almost 20 million pounds of food, which is almost double, if not more than double, what they distribute in a normal year. 
So how is the food bank responding to this increased need? How is the disaster preparedness going? It's definitely been a very crazy year for all nonprofits and government agencies. The food bank, I think it was really good that we had those fires and mudslides two years ago because our emergency like disaster preparedness branch of the food bank didn't really come to fruition until those things happened. We kind of realized like, oh my gosh, like this is actually such an essential need within the community. We don't really have that much in place if something did happen. So things like making emergency food boxes, which the food bank now sells you can donate and say, like, I want to buy an emergency food box for a family in need. And it's like $5 or something. And those are actually put in every apartment in Santa Barbara when you move in. I'm not positive about Isla Vista, but when I moved into my apartment downtown, the only thing in this apartment was the emergency food box from the food bank. I think that's just a cool initiative. And it kind of spearheaded the emergency disaster initiative within the food bank just realizing like we might need to do more than creating these food boxes. Like we be putting information out about fires, mudslides, how to protect yourself and your family. When COVID hit, we just had already built out that section of the food bank and we had a disaster services specialist, Anthony Rodriguez. He has become such an integral part, if not like the most essential to the food bank this past year between giving marketing all the information about COVID that we then spread out into the community, being like the first contact that I would go to or anyone would go to for anything that we were unsure about, we didn't want to put out before we made sure it was true, really helping and informing the community. Because I think the biggest fear was just that people didn't really know anything about COVID. And they're like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm scared for myself. I'm scared for my family. Anthony has really become an integral part of my job and everyone's job. We all just kind of became like relayers of information, trying to get as much food out as possible. Like you said, we've distributed more than double what we did the previous year. I think the food bank being centralized is in Santa Barbara County before COVID really allowed us to become the main center of resources, food, and disaster recoup in the age of COVID. (laughs) Yeah. One of these programs that, you know, has been a big part of the food banks push during COVID has been the Brown Bad program. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really great program. I know that it's planning to continue after COVID. It works to deliver food to seniors, I believe, and those with disabilities who have been unable to kind of go to grocery stores over the last year and has done nearly 62,000 home deliveries, which is insane. Yeah. So I know that that's one of the programs, but what are the other programs that have kind of come out of COVID that might stick around? I think that's the main one that I think got a lot of people through. The way COVID was, was that people didn't want to go to the grocery store, especially immunocompromised people, older people that were at a bigger risk for getting COVID. Our brown bag was really the most essential program, I believe. 
I even had one case of a man messaging our Facebook messenger and not having any food over Christmas and our warehouses were closed and we were able to get him a few bags of food. And then he was able to sign up for our brown bag after Christmas and get food delivered every week. I feel like our brown bag has really kept some older folks alive. We had emergency distributions where you could get a bag of food delivered to you. I don't think it was the same as our brown bag program. It was just kind of like you could call and say you were really in need and you couldn't make it to a distribution and you could get food delivered to you if the warehouse was open. So that also really saved a lot of people. You do have to have a doctor's note to get a brown bag delivered. The doctor does have to sign off that you're disabled or you do have some compromised immune system. So I think the emergency food delivery was really essential for those people that didn't necessarily have something that could be written off on paper, but they were really terrified or they had just lost a family member, they just lost a spouse, and they just couldn't leave the house. I think those two programs were definitely the most essential in our COVID-19 response. Definitely. Just to repeat something that we mentioned at the beginning, this really kind of staggering statistic of 48% of undergraduate students and 31% of graduate students facing food insecurity. I wanted to talk a little bit about food insecurity at UCSB on campus. So what kind of presence does the food bank have? I know that AS has its own food bank program. Is your organization a partner or are they completely separate programs? I believe we are partnered with AS. We also are very closely tied to CalFresh. CalFresh is a student organization at UCSB, but also CalFresh is a huge part of the Santa Barbara community. A lot of working individuals and individuals with families will sign up for CalFresh. I didn't realize this until I worked at the food bank because I received CalFresh as a UCSB student. And the amount of people who received CalFresh is just crazy. And I would have never known if I didn't receive it myself. I think everybody kind of assumes like, oh, AS has their own distribution. CalFresh has their own thing at UCSB. Not a lot of people know about those resources or not as many people know about them as they should. We do work pretty closely with UCSB. I remember pretty recently acquired like a plot of garden land. I know that AS has some gardening programs as well. They donate the food to the AS Food Bank and CalFresh. I think we also do have a program similar to that at UCSB. That's a reminder for me to even, you know, start to do more marketing around student food insecurity because you're focused so much on the client base in Santa Barbara and in North County once you work at the food bank. But seeing for myself how many people came into CalFresh every day, and those were their two meals, it's so important. And it's so stigmatized. We're trying to erase the stigma in the county as a whole, but I think UCSB is definitely just a hard stigma to erase because it's college students. And I would say, too, that, you know, UCSB students kind of look to the university for help a lot of times. But it is good to know that the County Food Bank is still a resource for students. And if anyone in IV is in need of food resources, any of these distributions that we've been talking about are open to students as well. 
I think a lot of students just aren't really thinking about like the county resources as theirs. A lot of times they're just like students attending a university, but it's not really their home. Their home is where they came from, but we're really here for everyone and anyone that needs it, especially students and children who are putting their education first. You really need to be eating healthy food to be able to be a student and just have that support. You referred to this, but there's a wide disparity in knowledge about these issues because, you know, the AS Food Bank currently serves over 3,000 students a week, in addition to 1,500 meal tickets distributed per quarter. But yeah, you mentioned there's a stigma around food insecurity among college students. And I was wondering, where do you think that comes from? What do you think the general environment is around discussions about these issues and their visibility at the university? I think a lot of times when you're coming into college and you're, you know, like maybe leaving home for the first time, you really want to, you know, put yourself out there as confident and outgoing you know, like you're taking everything in stride and joining all these different organizations and doing well in school. And I think a lot of times people think that receiving food or receiving any kind of support, whether it be physical, mental health, anything like that is seen as weak and like they can't really survive on their own, even though that's not true. I think also a lot of people take for granted growing up without ever having to worry about food insecurity. And then especially this last year with Parents losing jobs, students losing jobs, just the general economic downturn. It's really scary to feel like you need help or feel like you are hungry and like don't have enough money to buy food. So I think often people just won't talk about it and won't reach out because they see it as bad or they see themselves as weak, not able to provide for themselves. And I think just the more people that talk about it and say, oh, yeah, like I've been there. I'll help you or here are different resources that you can reach out to. Just the more people that do that, people will realize that it's very, very common and they don't need to feel they can't talk about it or read for the resources they need. Everyone needs different support throughout their life and it's just another support system that they can lean on. I remember too, like friends going to the food bank on campus and feeling kind of weird about it and feeling like, maybe I don't actually need this as much as the next person. I don't want to be taking away from other people. But if people aren't taking advantage of the resources that are there for them, then the resources might not be able to exist in the future for those who are really dependent on them. Having these discussions is really important. Yeah, I mean, I know I felt that way just because I was like, there's definitely people who need this more than me. But as you said, the more people that use it, the more... UCSB and other organizations realize this is actually a big issue at UCSB. And, you know, we need to be supplying them, providing them with as much as we can, because a lot of these students are really struggling. And if they're struggling to find food, then they won't be able to focus in class and they won't be able to, you know, it's just all it comes back around. So I think it's really important for everybody to feel like they deserve to get those resources and eat three, four meals a day. And it's important that you bring up focusing in class because I think it's really important to talk about how providing food for people who are food insecure isn't just about feeding them. It's about transforming their overall happiness and health and quality of life. 
I really like to say, like, think about a time when you skipped lunch. Were you productive for the rest of the afternoon? Did you have time to innovate and think creatively and maybe get more done than just the basic to-do list that you had? People need to be fed in order to just do more than the bare minimum. People being hungry detracts from their abilities to reach higher levels of achievement in their lives. It's more than just feeding people. I agree. I also think having a roof over your head and food on the table should be UCSB's first priority. Any university. You're going to get the best results from your students if they have that support. That needs to come first before other priorities besides students' health. I really believe that it starts with the basics. And as long as you really invest time and money into those resources, you're going to have students happier, healthier, and overall better community. Absolutely. Well, this has been so great, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us. And for all of our listeners, for every dollar donated, the food bank can provide eight meals to those in need. And if you are able to, please consider donating to the food bank to support all the work they're doing in order to donate, volunteer, or learn more about any of the programs that we've talked about today, you can visit https colon slash slash foodbanksbc.org. Thanks again, Megan. Thank you guys so much. This was really fun. Here are some other hot headlines from the Daily Nexus. After a long wait, UCSB has finally announced its plans for this spring's graduation. The ceremonies will be a hybrid of small, in-person, and virtual events with a live-streamed in-person grad walk and virtual keynote address by Oprah Winfrey. On April 22nd, the results of the Associated Student Selection were announced. The Stork Party's candidate, Yuval Cohen, became UCSB's next AS president. After honoring this year's Day of Silence on April 23rd, the Daily Nexus opinion staff's LGBTQ writers break their silence with reflections on the systemic silencing they've experienced and continue to face. Read the rest at dailynexus.com. Special thanks to our guest, Megan Halpin, and to the rest of the Hot Off the Pod team, Emily Kosis, Josh and Manti, and Tony Schindler-Ruberg. See you next time.